Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, Executive Recruiter, Director of Recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my mission to bring you really, really cool people with you know great thought leaders and influencers and people who are just going to add more value to your life and career search. So today, in true fashion, I have Dr. Wayne Baker with me, author of All You Have to Do is Ask. Dr. Baker is a professor professor of sociology at the University of Michigan, and his teaching and research focus on social capital, social networks, and reciprocity. I knew I was going to have trouble with that word today. He has published numerous scholarly scholarly articles in four books, and you would think this is my first time doing an intro. I'm just so excited that you're here, so my words are all jumbled up. His management and leadership articles appear in venues such as Harvard Business Review, Chief Executive Magazine, and Sloan Management Review. He joins us today to discuss mastering the most important skill for success, the ability to ask for the things we need to succeed. Wayne, wow, I have been looking forward to this interview for so long. Well, thank you, Casey. I'm delighted to be here. Is so awesome. I love, you know, and I think when we first talked, and I love the title of your book, All You Have to Do Is Ask, because I think I shared with you that one of my mentors gave me probably the best piece of advice that I've ever received, and that's get your ask in gear. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so that's Leah Woodford, and anytime I'm worried or afraid to ask for something, I just hear, and Leah's like five feet tall, a little spitfire, and I just hear her just cheerleading in my head just get your ass in gear you know <laughs> so that's really really good advice absolutely so i like to draw the lines for people on how we met um do you remember i'm going to put you on the spot do you remember how we met so who introduced us are you asking me do you need a lifeline I do. I need a life right. So, and, no, you're fine. And but you know, his name has been mentioned so much because he's the great connector, I believe, of all times, and that's Mr. Frank Agen. Okay, that's who I had in mind. Yes, right. Frank that wonderful. I, I've known Frank for a long time. Uh, we connected on one of my earliest books and have stayed in touch over time. And when I came out with this book, and I was a guest on his his podcast, he said, what would you, how could I help? Which was really generous of him. And I said, I love talking about this. I think it's important. It's really changed people's lives for the better. So, and then he connected me with you and, and others. So it's been great. Yeah. And I love your body of work on, you know, energy within teams. I just, I was reading, um, a an article that you put out, well, I say it was an article, it was like 52 pages, a little research article on the, um, what did you call it, the um, something energy? The Starts with relational the, energy? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one I was reading. So, and it's just so fascinating to me. 
Yeah, you know, what we have found is that uh, you need uh, instrumental resources like information or materials or money, whatever, but you also need the motivation to do something with it. And that motivation often comes from what we call emotional energy. So I could have all the resources I need, but if I'm super depressed and down, I can't do anything with them. And we find you really need both of those. And one of the ways that you get energy for yourself is through your interactions with other people. That's what we think of as that relational energy. Yeah, and especially as it relates to a team, right? Uh, absolutely. You can think about it in terms of any relationship between two people, and then you could start moving up to the level of a team. And we've even learned how to measure uh, relational energy in an entire network or a whole organization. Oh, wow. We've shown that it matters at that level too. Wow. I really want to talk to you now after we finish the podcast because I want to learn more about that. That's so cool. Um, but let's get kind of to what's going to help our people in our audience today. So you, your book focuses on mastering the skill of asking for what you need from colleagues, friends, acquaintances, and even your bigger network. Um, as a professor of sociology, why do you think it is so difficult for people to ask others for what they need? Well, over 20 years ago, uh, Cheryl Baker, my wife and I created an activity that we call the reciprocity ring. It's been done by, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people around the world now. And it's a, a team or group activity where people ask for what they need and then people think about how they can help. You know, I've got the answer or the resource or I can tap my network and make a connection for you. And I used to start that activity the same way in the beginning, which was a little lecture about the importance of being generous, of being a giver. You know, you had Bob Berg on your show, you know, mm -hmm. go-giver, right? But you know what I found that was amazing is that most people were willing to help and were incredibly generous, but everyone struggled with asking. I said, oh boy, I don't know what to ask for. I don't know how to ask for it. I don't know how to formulate it as an effective request. And what I found, I mean, it's it sounds kind of paradoxical, but the key to generosity is to getting people to ask for what they need. You know, when if, if you ask for something, then I know how I can help you or I can tap my network, but I can't read your mind. And so people have to ask. But, you know, it's a it's a barrier for um, for many, many people. You know, we're trained to, I think, to help and we want to be generous, but asking, we're kind of uncomfortable with that. You know, I could, I could say two big reasons, uh, two big barriers to get in the way. One is that we're afraid of what others will think of us. I'll think that we're incompetent, we can't do our jobs, or we're not well-educated, if you have to ask for help or something. Uh, but here, research is, is really important for updating that belief, because the research shows that as long as you make a thoughtful request, people will think you are more competent, not less. So I think it's that could be liberating to know that. Another big reason or big barrier why it's so difficult is that people assume that no one can help them. I don't know how many times over the years I've run uh, one of the activities that I write about in the book and somebody will take me aside and they'll say, you know, I'm not going to ask for what I really need because I know no one here can help me. And no matter what they want to ask, I always say the same thing, which is you never know what people know or who they know until you ask. So just go ahead and ask. And 99 times out of 100, they are so pleasantly surprised when they realize no matter what they ask for, there are people to help. That is so, so true. And, you know, to your point, I know I keep going back to my mentor, but when I started asking, and I've always had a really big problem with that part, like just like probably most people from what I'm hearing, when I started asking, my world started changing. Mm -hmm. I'd always been a giver, 
But when I started allowing people to give back and when I started receiving, that's when everything changed. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things I talk about in the book are the four different types uh, of people when it comes to asking and giving. Uh, the most common one is the overly generous giver. Those people who freely and frequently give, but they don't ask. And what happens over time, they get burned out or they squander the resources or they get overcommitted, very common. Uh, the best place to be is what I call the giver requester. That is, you're generous, you help people, whether or not they've helped you. It's not about the, you know, an exchange. Mm -hmm. You freely help people and you ask for what you need whenever you need something that you want to really, you have to do both. You have to ask and then you have to give. That is so true. So you mentioned earlier that if it's a good ask, so, and I believe you talk about a framework called SMART in your book. Mm -hmm. um, so how is, what, what is SMART and how is that different from a normal ask? When we think of SMART criteria, we usually think of the SMART criteria for goals. And this, mm -hmm. this is a little different. Uh, so the S is for specific. And what we found is that the more specific your request, the easier it is to fulfill. The, uh, the most general request I ever heard, the opposite of my advice was to, uh, was, a, was an executive from the Netherlands. And he was in one of our executive ed programs here at the business school at Michigan. And he said, my request is for information. And that was it. <laughs> and I, I said, could you elaborate? And he says, no, it's confidential. I can't say anything more. Well, he got, how could anyone help with that, right? You know, but the reason a specific request is so important is that it triggers people's memories of what they know and who they know. A specific request does that. So that's the S. The M, so the M for SMART goals is measurable. Measurability is nice, but here it's meaningful. It's the why of the request. Why are you making the request? Why is it important? And you know, it's interesting. A lot of times people just assume others know, but no one really knows. You need to explain why it's meaningful, what you're asking for. The A is for action. You're asking for something to be done. So stating a goal is not a request. A goal is a destination. A request is something that helps you get a resource to move towards that goal. So you're asking for something, for a referral, for information, for advice or whatever. Uh, let's see, the R is for what I call strategically realistic. So I encourage people to make big requests, small requests, as long as they're authentic. But you know, it's gotta be within the realm of, of possibility. Uh, and then the T is time. It's a deadline. And here, a more a very specific deadline is more motivating than a general deadline. So if you make a request and you hit all five of those SMART criteria, it'll be a very thoughtful, effective request, and you're more likely to get a good response. Okay, so my next question is kind of, now I've got my SMART, my SMART framework, my question, my ask. Now, how do I figure out who the right person is to ask this question of? Yeah, so there's a number of ways to think about this. Um, sometimes we just know right from the get-go who we need to ask. Could be a boss or a colleague or a friend or, a, you know, an old roommate. You know, I call those the, the usual suspects. And if you do know who you'd have to ask, you just go ahead and do it. Um, but there's a couple of other things to keep in mind is that oftentimes our dormant connections are incredibly valuable. So a dormant connection is someone that you once had a relationship with in the past, but your lives have gone in different directions um, and you live in different worlds and you've not been in touch. So here again, research is helpful because a lot of people say, well, I wouldn't want to reactivate a dormant connection. 
you know, they may not welcome my call or an email, whatever. But the research says most people are delighted to be reconnected and happy that you reactivated the connection. And they're really valuable because their lives have gone in different directions. That means that they know different people, they know different things than you know, so they're even more valuable than they would have been before. So that's a, what we call a dormant connection. Another is what I call a two-step connections. Now, sometimes we don't know who to ask, but we know someone who might know someone that you should ask. So I have a, I have a, a friend of mine who runs, um, he calls it an innovatrium. It's where venture capitalists and inventors come together. And he kind of keeps track of this. He's done it 180 times in one year. He said, he said you know, we often don't know who the expert is, but we know who to ask to find the experts. So that's another way of thinking about it. And then finally, you can think about uh, crowdsourcing. And this is often overlooked. So uh, LinkedIn is an example, sometimes Facebook, but people are involved in a lot of different groups online. You know, you could broadcast your request to a larger group or to a network. And uh, that's another great way. So there's, you know, there's a whole portfolio of ways that you could uh, figure out who to ask from the usual suspects all the way to broadcasting to a group. I love that. I think probably the way that I help people the most is through the two-step connection because I'm not sure if this is the person you need to talk to, but I know they're going to probably know somebody or they're going to push you down the line until we find the right person for you. Yeah, and, and Frank is a perfect example, right? Oh, Frank yes. introduced me to you and vice versa, right? So that's, that was a two-step connection. And he continues to do that, I mean, all the time. And, you know, in those connections, introduce me to new connections who introduce me to new connections. So it's just yeah. like, ne I can't keep up with all the connections right now. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to the company culture and how can a company uh, or how can company leaders create a cultural environment where people feel like it's safe for them to make their ask? Yeah, so you, you want people who've got the right skills, the right knowledge, education, experiences, and so forth. But you also want people who have what we call uh, social capital. That is, they have they tap into a network, and there's a great network inside the organization. And a leader needs to do a number of things in order to create a culture in which people freely ask and freely give. Now, you can imagine when that happens, almost any answer you need is out there and you could find it. You need a resource, you could find it. It's somewhere in the organization or someone could connect you to someone who's got the resource. So, um, you know, in these times where everyone feels constrained and we have to do more with less, this is a way of finding resources, finding answers. And so a leader needs to do a couple of things. One is that they need to be a role model of the behavior that they want. So if I say to my folks, okay, I want you to be vulnerable and ask for what you need, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to model that behavior. It's not going to work. So as a leader, I need to, I need to demonstrate the behavior. So I need to ask when I need something. I need to admit that I don't know the answers. I need to ask for advice and input to help people. I say, help me co-create a solution to this problem. I don't know what to do, but together, let's figure out what to do. So one is to be a role model. And then the second is to implement different uh, practices, often group or team practices, uh, that make asking a normal behavior. And I get there's a there's I have a whole chapter about this in the book, but I could describe one um, that many people are familiar with, and it works either face to face or virtually. You can do it in Zoom or Skype or whatever. Uh, it's the daily stand up. So the daily stand up is very common in software firms, um, IT. 
uh, but I think it has widespread application in any kind of group or team. Uh, we use it every morning at our Center for Positive Organizations here at the University of, of Michigan. You know, so at 10 o'clock every morning, the staff, now prior to the pandemic, we would get in a circle and people would say three things. This is what I was working on yesterday. This is what I'm working on today. And here's the help that I need or the resource that I need, right? So now we're doing it through Zoom. Same thing, you know, is that we just take turns doing that and everyone needs to go. And what that does is it normalizes asking. Asking is required. In fact, not asking is letting the group down because that's, you know, that's, that's part of the rules of engagement. And if you know that everyone's going to ask and it's not just you and we're all in the same psychological boat, it is a lot easier to do it. And then with practice over time, people get better and better at it and they make bigger and bigger asks. And that's just one of a dozen tools uh, that are possible to use either face-to-face -face or in a, in a virtual environment. Oh, I love that one. Totally going to start using that one immediately. And that's what's so great about this. That's, this is stuff you can start right away that's going to make a positive impact within your culture to create that safe space for people to make an ask. I was going to share just a really quick story, and I think, you know, I mention this all the time, and I don't talk about VIP, the company I work for, very often, even though they sponsor the show. Um, but I believe that they are so forward thinking and ahead of the curve from any place I've ever worked before because, you know, early on when I started there, they, and, and they did this with everyone, not just me, they gathered us all together and they're like, look, if there's something you want to do, they probably shouldn't have said this to me. <laughs> we want to support you. You know, we want we want you to be happy. We don't want you doing a job just because we told you this is your job. What do you want to be your job? Which I think is so incredible. It's just allowed you know me to have this passion project of a podcast. You know, so that I can introduce people to you know the audience so that they can get the knowledge that I've gotten from you guys. You know, I don't think it's fair that only I get to talk to you. So, mm -hmm. so it, and you were talking about reciprocity, right? That's what that whole thing is. So just really tell us what reciprocity means to you and how does it apply? And you kind of did with that example, but can you give us maybe another example of how it applies in the workplace? Yeah, th there's two kinds of reciprocity. And when people hear the term reciprocity, they usually think of the first one, which is I help you and you help me, right? So you know, if you help me and I didn't return the favor and help you, I wouldn't be a good colleague or a good friend. And we want people to do that. That's sometimes called direct reciprocity. But there is a stronger form uh, that's called indirect or generalized reciprocity, which is you help me. I'm so grateful for the help that you gave me that I pay it forward and help a third person who helps a fourth person. And so then it starts spreading throughout the network. And when you think about the uh, the example of the stand-up done face-to-face -face or done virtually, that's kind of pay it forward because, you know, you're announcing your request to a group and you don't know who in the group's going to help you, but you know that someone's going to have the answer or referral or the advice or the input that you need. And it's probably going to be someone different from the people that you help. That's how this indirect form of reciprocity works. And that's the most powerful thing. That's what you want to create. And these, that, these group level tools or activities create that more powerful form of reciprocity, sometimes called paying it forward. That'd be another way of thinking about it. That's so interesting that you say it that way because one of my connections on LinkedIn, um, I'm not sure if you know her, Berta Medina. 
She's also a Frank connection. That's why I was thinking maybe you knew her. Frank's got such a huge network. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. But she um, had posted about kindness. And when she, she was in the drive-thru, and when she got up to the window, they told her that her stuff had already been paid for by the car in front of her. And so what did she do? She paid for the person behind her. You're right. And so it just kept paying it forward. And hopefully that train kept going all day long. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? Yeah. Yeah, that's marvelous. You know, that reminds me of, of another example of that. Um, have you heard of kidney chains? Yes. And, I mean, it, it's amazing. It's like, so we, each of us has two kidneys. You only need one to live yeah. a healthy life. And there's been examples of people who have donated one of their kidneys to a stranger whose life was changed. And then that, that stranger's spouse or daughter or friend will then donate one of their kidneys to yet another person. And some of these chains have gotten really long. And you talk about that, it's a gift of life for these people. Yeah. Um, when you do that, and it's, it's really amazing. And that's, a, that's an example very similar uh, to the example that you just described. A little bit more extreme. <laughs> yeah, a little more extreme, but you know, it's the same principle. It is, and it's beautiful. And, I, and I, when I read that story, I just about cried because that was so, um, it, it's just beautiful, you know, that somebody would do that for someone else that they don't even know. Yeah. That's absolutely. true giving. So, um, so one of the most difficult things our candidates face is, as, is getting references from previous employers and, you know, and especially, can it be especially difficult if they're still working for that employer to get those references? So what advice can you share with those candidates in this position to help them ask for the references? Yeah, so this is a, this is a difficult question and it really um, matters on the, of the particulars of the case. So in some workplaces, asking your employer for a reference is the end of your job, right? I mean, I've known examples of people when they learned they were looking for, they just fired them straight out, mm -hmm. right? You know, so what, you've got to take that into account. Sometimes uh, you just can't ask for it because it would be self-defeating and you've got to find another employer or another kind of reference that you can get. So you want to take that into consideration. But if you're in the kind of workplace where people say, look, this is really about what's best for you and what's best for you is also what's best for us. If there's a better place for you, that would be good. And maybe we even get a better fit from someone here is that then you've got to use the same criteria that I talked about before is like, you know, what is it, you know, that, why are you asking for it? Why, why are you even searching for another kind of job? Is it because you have elderly parents uh, living on the, in another, another part of the country and you need to get a job there in order to take care for, of them, a lot of times people wouldn't disclose that. But if that's the reason, you need to explain that that's the reason, right? And so, you know, people wanna, you know, people move and take their jobs for all different kinds of reasons. So you need to explain why you're doing it, um, to ask what are you actually asking for, uh, when you need it by. Um, but again, being sensitive to whether it's, you know, whether you can do it or not, really have permission to do it. Yeah. What do you think about um, the candidates asking for a recommendation maybe rather than a reference? Yeah. You know, again, you know, Casey, that does matter. Uh, you know, it, it depends on the particulars of, of the situation. You, know, you need to take account as to whether the person you're asking for recommendation would be the, um, you know, they'd be likely to do it or that it, it wouldn't be self-defeating to ask for it. You know, but if, again, if you're asking for the recommendation to explain why you're asking for it, it's not just, oh, I just want another job, I want to make more money. You know, usually there's more to it than that. 
And if you explain the why of it, the why you're doing this, the meaningful part of it, you're more likely to get someone who will help you. Good stuff. Good stuff. So one of the steps in the all you have to do is ask journey is to ask your network. So how can someone go about asking their network to help fulfill a need while ensuring your request is reaching the right people? Yeah. So if you're going to broadcast it to a, to a network, to a group, the reason is, is that you want to cast a, a broad net, but, and you don't know the particular person, you don't know who's got the answer. Um, so I, I give you a very uh, specific example. So when I was writing this book, occasionally I needed a, a fresh example or I was looking for a, a new kind of practice. And so I'm a member of a number of the Givitas groups that we've created and I've posted requests there. And like I got connected to an HR manager in Alaska who worked for one of the Aboriginal corporations in Alaska who was incredibly helpful. Um, and we talked on the phone and she's actually in the book now. You know, and so I learned so much, but I didn't, I knew what I needed, but I didn't know who to ask, but I knew if I broadcast it to a community of people who joined, you know, these Givitas groups, we've created these groups for, you know, people who want to be generous, they want to help, and they'll ask for what they need. And I knew if I broadcast it to that, that someone out there can help me. And in these groups we've created, it's really amazing the kind of help that is given. Um, in fact, I would invite anyone in your audience that would like to participate, if you go to our, our website, which is giveandtakeinc.com or to giveatas.com. Um, there's about eight or nine of these free open access uh, communities that you can join. They're usually devoted to a particular topic of the HR or women at work or whatever it might be. Um, but people have found that to be incredibly helpful. And I think, you know, these days, since most of us are working, I mean, here I'm in my study in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I would love to be sitting there in the studio with you, but these days we're, you know, we're not doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, so having these uh, digital means of asking, of posting a request into a community of people who are made the commitment to help, you know, I think it's really important to, to look at those resources now. You know, I don't know if I told you this story or not, but I'm a huge fan of Give It Toss since I've been introduced to it, right? And one of the groups that you have is the Science of Success podcast group. And I use this on a regular basis. Like, I, I kind of just kind of stalk around in there a little bit, but I've actually, um, there was one lady that posted that said she was looking to be a guest on podcast because she had just released her book and her name was Sarah Elkins. And I went and I researched her book and her topic was very relevant to our audience. And so I reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to be a guest and she, her episodes already released. And then because of that, another guy that had also reached out to her, saw that I responded, reached out to me to be on his show, which turned out to be a top 200 podcast. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. A, and you're, you're a living example. Yes, it was so amazing. And then of course we had him on our podcast too. So that's a huge win as well. And just all these amazing people. So, you know, I, I highly encourage people to check it out because I, I feel like there's a group for everyone and it's so beneficial. It's so, especially if you follow that give and take, go giver philosophy, whatever you want to call it, you know, it, it's, it's a great place to give and to ask. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Well, I'm glad it's been helpful for you. I love it. So tell me a little bit more about your book. All you had to do is ask and what inspired you and what else can our audience learn from it? 
Well, I had mentioned that a number of years ago, I came to the realization that the key to generosity was getting people to ask. And so over the years, I've done research on that. I've collected all the various tools and practices in which you can do it. And I've worked with a lot of business school students, executives, companies, and so forth to you know, implement these kinds of practices. And then I said, you know, I think I'm ready to actually write this in a book because with a book, you could reach many, many more people uh, that way. And so I wrote the book, this, the, it starts with, you know, here's the problem and the promise. You know, paradoxically, the key to generosity is getting people to ask for what they need. Uh, I have a chapter on the, you know, here are the common barriers, and we talked about two of them. Here's the common barriers and how to overcome them. But most of the book is a how-to book. I think of it as a toolbox. And so there's tools in there that what you can do individually uh, to figure out what you need and how to ask for and who to ask. So it's, it's oriented towards the individual. Then for teams, whether you're a team leader or a member of a team, so okay, if you would like to implement these this philosophy and these practices in your team or group and have that benefit, here's here's all the ways you can do it, all various ways that you can do it. Uh, we, we mentioned one, the stand up, um, but there are many many more. And then the last part of the book is okay. So what if you want to create that culture of generosity and really get resources circulating in an entire organization? Here's the way that you can do it. So it's really a how-to book about how do you create a culture of generosity as an individual, as a team, and as an entire organization. Focus very much on the how-to. Well, and I just want to point out, and I don't know if this map, do you actually, I, I printed out a copy of it. Do you actually put the map in your book? Your little, it's not in color, but all you have to do is ask. Oh, yes. It's, it's not in the book, but if you go to the website for the book, it's a free download. I so, love that. Yeah. So that, you know, you know, Casey, it's, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I will let the artist know who helped me do that. Okay. Um, because I found that to be really helpful. It's kind of a reminder, a one-stop reminder of all the different steps. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so if anyone goes to the website for the book, which is the title of the book, all you have to do is ask.com. That's a free download. I invite you to download it, distribute it to anyone you'd like. Um, as you know, I have an assessment, a quick assessment in the book uh, about giving and asking, uh, but there's a free digital version of it on the website as well. Uh, and the nice thing about the one on the website, well, besides being free, is <laughs> that uh, you actually get a very nice report and it will compare your results against a population of other assessment takers. So it kind of gives you kind of a yardstick. Uh, and I have a lot of other resources that are free up on that website as well. Now, see, I didn't see the assessment. You know I'm an assessment junkie. So I'm going to have to go take that tonight. Okay, and it's only it takes like three minutes to do it. Love it. Love it. But you're going to have to take my assessment in return. I will. Okay. <laughs> yep, you got to send me the link then. I will. I will definitely do that. So believe it or not, we are coming up to the end of our time together. Um, how do people find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can go to my website, which is my name, waynebaker.org, or go to the website for the book. All you have to do is ask.com and all my contact is information there as well. And I love hearing from people. And I love connecting with people. So I hope people will reach out. Yeah, if you reach out to him on LinkedIn, just make sure that you mention in the subject line that you heard him on the We Are VIP podcast. I bet you get VIP treatment after that. That's right. <laughs> so I do have some VIP questions to ask you. These are just our, our fun little questions. Are you ready? 
Yes. Okay. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, you know, we just finished watching the series Away, which is all about colonizing Mars. Oh. Uh, and the main actress is uh, Hilary Swank. Um, so I'm tempted to say anyone who was on that crew, because they were incredibly resourceful, but then they're just actors. Right. So I'd have to say in real life, if I got to pick three people, it would be... Uh, well, it would be my wife. Uh, we have one child who's in college now. Would be our son, and then we would he would insist that we bring his cat as well. So that would be the three. <laughs> one of our producers up here would have loved that comment <laughs> about the cat. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! So, what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Well, about a, about a year and a half ago, I started meditating in the morning. <gasps> And um, I have found that to be a really wonderful way to start the day. And I've learned uh, to not check my email before I do it because it's hard to meditate after that. Mm -hmm. So I really have to. So my routine is that I will, you know, I'm kind of an early riser. I'll get up. I, uh, I put the coffee on and then I will go do meditation. And, um, and it's turned out to be very helpful, a good way to start the day. I love meditation, so I totally get what you're saying. Do you do guided or just mindfulness? Um, you know, I did guided. Um, I actually had a, a meditation coach here in Ann Arbor uh, that I went to for about six or eight sessions. And then she has some recordings um, that I would listen to. I have them on my phone. And um, I've also used the Calm app. And I'm not uh, familiar with that one. The one reason I like the, the, the comment, it's got, um, this is what I'm doing more and more of, is just timed meditation. So I could say 20 minutes, and it's 20 minutes of science, of silence, and then there's a little gong that goes on. So um, mm. I find that, so I've been doing that more and more. I think I've done the guided so often that it's, that's kind of, kind of playing in my head. Um, but these days I've been finding the ones of just having the silent meditation and then timing it whether I want to do 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or, or 30 minutes. Now, I haven't got to the guided or the non-guided meditation yet, but if you're looking for some guided meditation, there's a great YouTube channel called Great Meditations, and they release every four or five days, and they are amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll, thank you. I'll check them out. I had not heard of them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I could talk about meditation all day long. So my final question for you. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Boy, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, I, I've spent my, my professional life as a, as a teacher, as an educator, and trying to bring practical tools to students uh, who have to go out and do something in the real world. And I think I would want it to be that uh, I help people live their true selves and to... Um, live the vision they have for themselves and um, learn what their strengths are and put themselves in a position where they get to play to those strengths. So it's a long headline. <laughs> <laughs> that is so amazing. And I know, I mean, your work, I've, I've, like I said, I've, I've looked at a lot of it. I've, I've got a lot more to dig into. I mean, you've got, I don't know, 20 years worth of research up there? Yeah, Something like that? that it's, it's adding up. Yeah. So give me some time. I'm working on it. <laughs> but well, Dr. Wayne Baker, I just have one more thing to say to you. You are a VIP. No. Oh, 
Well, thank you very much. And uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to be on your program. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.